This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Brian Billick and Steve Mariucci here for the Coaches Show podcast. And on our Super Bowl 48 preview, we discuss the matchup of Peyton Manning and how he's going to attack this stingy Seattle defense and just how much will the Seattle Seahawks use Percy Harvin. Plus, which coach and his staff has the upper hand, Pete Carroll or John Fox? The Coaches Show podcast, Super Bowl 48 edition, starts now. Well, Coach, this is our last podcast. That's a sad day. It is. It is. I'll, I'll call you next just week, and we'll just kind of talk about what went on in the game uh, <laughs> yeah. and let our wives hear that. Yeah, let, no. Let's talk about this matchup. First, let's begin with this is an extraordinary week, all that goes on. Let's talk about some of the challenges that these coaches have in wading through this very unique week, getting ready for the Super Bowl. Well, as you know, John Fox has done this before. And Pete Carroll and his staff have not, nor has any of the Seahawks been in a Super Bowl. It's the youngest team in the playoffs, and they have no Super Bowl experience. So you know as well as anybody that once we start playing the game, you know, you play football. And it's the same rules as you always play. But it's this week, and it's the hoopla, and it's the media obligations, and it's the tickets, and the family, and the travel, and all the other things that is different that the coaches and players have got to handle uh, maybe last week to get focused for a game like this because this week is what's different than a normal football game. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are going to feel normal. You're on the practice field. You're in meetings. They're used to that. And the actual game, this sounds a little silly, but once they get to the game, it feels like any other game. The repercussions are different. That's their comfort but zone. But the game itself, you're right. It's the first couple days. You got the media behind you. I'll tell you the time that worried me the most yep. after that last snap in your Friday practice <clears throat> until kickoff on Sunday. That time period was forever. Really? You don't want to overmanage your players. You don't want to micromanage, but you got to give them a routine. Keeps their mind in it. Don't emotionally wear them out, but still keep them engaged with the biggest game of their life. And that's going to be the key, how they manage that time. The good news for those last couple days, the media obligations are over with for coaches and players. And you get back on that thing that they're used to in terms of bed check, right, meals, whether it's mass chapel, whatever it is. And then, you know, and and try to make it as as normal as possible. We all know that people like a routine. Athletes love the routine. And, uh, I mean, did you, did you worry about any, anything with families and anything with parties well, and anything with things to do? You mentioned bed check. We didn't have a bed check because I hadn't bed checked all year long. Now, a lot of people go, boy, you're nuts. And did you do lost that it. your whole career or just the did, one year? No, the whole year. I, never, I had a problem with knocking on a grown man's door to find out if where he was where he was supposed to be. And I also wanted to invest the players in it. That says, guys, you got a good thing here. If you act like men, I'll treat you like men. If you act like children, I'll treat you like children. And and now that also vested that you'd worry about doing that, wouldn't you? I couldn't do that. I have to have bed checking. So I, I bed checked my coaches. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> you had some dandies. But I remember as an assistant coach when I was in Green Bay, because Mike Holmgren didn't do the bed check. He had security and the assistant coaches. Didn't you hate that though. You know what? I remember knocking on Reggie White's door. <laughs> and what if Reggie weren't there? He's 38 years old. I knew Reggie would be there. I swear to God, How about Brian, Brett. I swear to God, I never once knocked on a door and found nobody home. 
that's and that was Never my once. point. The and play, that's years and years and right. years of doing it. The players are going to do the right thing. So, uh, and, and it goes to the point of what you're talking about, though. You got to keep the routine the same. And we had done it that way all year long. And, and I wasn't going to change it now that we're in the Super Bowl. And, of course, somebody said, oh, he doesn't even have bed check. Felix lost it. He's too easy on his yeah, guys. We're... Right up to the point we beat the Giants 34-7. to Then they realized, <laughs> okay, maybe they do know what they're doing. Maybe, oh, maybe they, they kind of know All what they're right. doing. Bed Let's check, talk man. about the matchups of – and the coaching styles of these two coaches, and they're not all that different. The style is Pete Carroll versus John Fox. Pete Carroll's kind of California casual, easygoing. John Fox a little more, a little more rigid that way. But in terms of the way they actually coach their players, not all that different. Players love them. Yeah. Players respond to their style of coaching, and and they came up the ladder in a similar fashion, going through the college ranks recruiting, eligibility, assistant coach, coordinator, all that sort of thing. They've earned their way to be a head coach, so they're very prepared to do this. They've been around, uh, you know, good coaches on their way up. They've hired good coaches, too, Brian. You know that's the trick. Just like the draft is your lifeblood. Hiring a staff is your lifeblood, too. And I'm looking at their staffs, Brian. Check this out. I'm looking at their staff. You know this Adam Gase guy? Huh? The You're coordinator. Good young coach. Yeah, I hired him in Detroit. He was scouting. He was in the scouting department as an intern, just putting things on the wall. And 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 he came up to me and he said, "Hey, coach, I want to be a coach. And can I get on the coaching end of it instead of the scouting?" I said, "Okay, let's do this." You know, for a dollar ninety-eight. And he got his feet wet as a quality control guy, just like many of us did. How about this Dan Quinn guy right. who's playing against heck him? of a coach? Yeah, will be a head coach. I hired him out of Hofstra. He was a college kid out of Hofstra that wanted to get a chance in the National Football League. And they're going to be facing off each other in the Super Bowl. And they started with humble beginnings. But what you could see when they were young was that they were eager to learn, do whatever it took, anything what it took, and be a sponge. And here they are. They're going to be head coaches next year or the year after. And it's kind of fun to look down at some of these guys that I've had on my staffs, you know, Greg Knapp and Richard Smith. Tom Cable was my line coach at Cal. I mean, on and on and on. It's uh, proud of these guys. And, And Pete Carroll and John Fox have done a nice job hiring. I think it's interesting to note that both coaches manage the total team. Neither one of them calls the plays or the defenses. They're both defensive coaches. They have guys that do that, and they have input on it, no, clearly, and they both have, have coordinated in this league. Uh, both have been head coaches someplace else. So you're talking about two coaches that have been elsewhere, been let go, which is the case in this league with just about every coach, come back with another opportunity. They've learned to delegate that responsibility. Is there any advantage that John has, having been through it before, tangibly compared to Pete Carroll? You know, we Whatever profession we're talking about, whether you're an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer, a coach, whatever, player, experience is a feather in your cap, right? And having the experience of being through a Super Bowl week, whether you had bed check or not, you know, he's been there, done that, and he can reflect back on what he felt was good and what he might want to change. So I think if there's an advantage at all, it's those who have been there before. Right. But Pete Carroll's been in the big game before, and, and maybe during the week, but the game itself, both these teams are going to stay true to their personality. So I don't know that there's an advantage either way. Well, let's talk about the game itself, and, and let's go down, and let's talk about, we're talking about the coaches, let's talk about a decision one of these coaches is going to have to make in order to win the game. For me, 
I think John Fox, Jack Del Rio, who played in, or played for me in Minnesota and coached with me in Baltimore. I think the big decision for them, I mean, we can talk about Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning, and obviously that, that's the strength of the defense of Seattle, the offense of, of, of uh, uh, Denver. But I think on the flip side, I think Jack Del Rio and John Fox need to bring a consistent five- and six-man rush to keep Russell Wilson in the pocket and to build that tough running box for Marshawn Lynch. Now, it's going to leave you some one-on-one on the back end, okay, and your back end's a little older. Because uh, you're talking about Champ Bailey and Dominique Rogers, Cromartie and Quentin Jammer. But I go back to that old country and western song, you know, the one that says, uh, I'm not as good as I once was, oh, but I'm geez. as good once as I ever was. I can't believe well, you said that. I think these that. guys can be as good once as they ever were and match up with those receivers in Seattle. I think that's the big decision for Denver and those coaches. I didn't know you were a country guy. Okay, so anyway, uh, I once was thinking of this. Um, do you know since now when you were when you were a coach in the Super Bowl, you didn't have a, the right to defer after the coin flip, yeah. right? Well, the last uh, what five six years, that's an option, just like it's been in college. Right. And teams defer, people. Teams defer. They want the ball the second half. Well, except for one team, the New Orleans Saints. Sean Payton. He says, "I want the I ball. Want to, I, I want, want the, ball. the ball." And then, oh yeah, second half, I'm going to onside kick. And I'm going to get the ball again. Right. <laughs> so, Steal two possessions. Yeah, he started off both halves with the ball. Okay. Hey, they won the game. So, I, I'm, not that it's going to be huge, but that's a that's a strategy because of it could be a strategy because this great defense of Seattle. You want to put them out there first and get a three and out. Do uh, you want to win the toss and get your great offense on the field. You're talking about one against one. Right. Offense and defense. And then will the weather change? Will it be too cold in the in the second half, in the fourth quarter, to come from behind because I can't throw the ball because I can't feel my hands? And so that'll be interesting to, to me if they defer after the I think play. it's interesting that you're exactly right, that John Fox will defer many times with the mentality, if my defense can get a stop, now I got favorable field position yeah. for Peyton Manning yeah. in my offense. Yeah. Now maybe they start at the 35 or the 40 as opposed to the 20. So you're right. That could be a, an early key coaching decision. Uh, well, let's talk about this is an unbelievable defense. Reminds me a little bit of my defense won the Super Bowl with. Could put a good four-man rush on you. Yeah. Uh, they don't do a lot. I'm talking about Seattle now. They don't do a lot defensively. They're going to do their press man and bail. They're going to get their, their three deep or look like a two and rotate Cam Chancellor or Earl Thomas down into that robber three deep. Yep. Let's talk about what Peyton Manning does to attack the defense of the Seattle Seahawks. Well, as we know, he's going to call the game from the line of scrimmage most of the time with what he sees. And, and what he's going to see quite frequently is an eight box, all right, which means throw the football. A, a single high safety invites a pass. Well, you're talking about passing against the number one pass defense and so does he say ah it's a little chilly out they're pretty good I'm going to run the ball a little bit with no Sean Marino uh, even though there's going to be an unblocked guy over here they're going to have to do some of that because they're going to get a pass invite most of the time so they got to find a way to run the football uh, to keep the you know to keep the clock moving to sustain some drives to keep with some balance and then we'll see how many Omaha Omaha's he's that he has in the game but I think he's going to see tight cover across the board you know how he likes to check to those crossing routes right against man coverage well you're going to see bump and run with maxwell and sherman but it's not always man to man right it's just press three deep zone and you cross they let them go into those 
linebackers. So it's, there's going to be some huge strategy with Peyton. Seattle's secondary Quinn. is outstanding, but this is the biggest receiving core, notwithstanding a Wes Welker, Height that they've seen. So the physical matchup, as good as they are with it, and they play that good long ball in the secondary, a uh, lot of options for Peyton Manning. I'm not sure that he, even though they're very good in the secondary, isn't going to be able to find something in the scenario you're laying out that he's not going to go, you know what, I like this. I, I, I like this matchup, and I'll take it. I do agree with you, though, when you saw New England, the problem in New England when they invited him to run, no Sean Marino was getting 10, 12, 15, 18 yards. This is a good Seattle tackling, open field tackling team. Whether they get the ball in those rub routes, I think Seattle will come up and tackle well that might minimize some of the bigger gains that we saw against the New England Patriots, yeah. which is going to make it a longer field for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, this is a better defense than the Patriots had. They had lost five starters. They were playing with youth, and here we go with the best defense in the league, and they can tackle. Let's talk about this guy that hasn't played much this year. You know, with Percy Harvin, they put a lot of eggs in one basket to see if Percy Harvin can help them in the passing game. And he hasn't played. He's been injured. He can return. He's going to be back. He's going to come back from that concussion uh, when he got hurt a while back. He's cleared to play. How should Pete Carroll use a guy like that who hasn't played much this year? I think we saw for the little time that he played, you're going to see the reverse. Might see him out of the backfield. He is a dynamic talent. Some of the wide, quick screens, you know, get the ball <laughs> sure. in his hands. I'd be a little nervous, two things, putting the ball down the field because that timing that as much as they've worked it in practice, that, that you're not going to have that inherent uh, intuitive timing between Russell Wilson and Percy Harvin down the field. I'd be a little worried about, okay, you're, gonna, you're supposed to be there, I'm throwing it, and now it's an interception because he breaks a little deeper or the timing's a little off. The other thing is, I'll ask you, how big a how many how many plays do you have for person? How how big is that box on your play calling sheet? And now all of a sudden he gets hurts again, and that part of your offense yeah. is off the sheet. No, he's got you're right. He's got to be a complimentary receiver. Maybe he's the third third guy or the fourth guy in certain packages. But let's not forget about his added value in the kick return game. Absolutely. Okay? Remember a guy named Desmond Howard in the Super Bowl returning that kick for a touchdown for the Packers against the Patriots. He was the MVP of the game. Played a little receiver, but the return of a kickoff, which Percy Harvin can do in a flash, that's where his, his value is. Can they kick the ball off uh, for touchbacks, or is he coming out with it? It's going to be interesting in the kicking game with Percy Harvin. And as tight as this game appears to be, and I've been all over the place. I did the playbook with Sean O'Hara and Sterling Sharp and Brian Baldinger, and we all had our film ready to go, and we had three shows that we did for this Super Bowl. And I found myself, okay, I had an idea coming in the way I thought it was going to be, and then Sean would show his place. I'm going, ooh, that sounds pretty good. I'm with you. I think Denver's going to win. And then Baldinger would jump in and show his. He would talk you no, I like that better. I think Seattle's going to win. <laughs> We're kind of flop. I found myself flopping back and forth. I think a lot of people... And, and here in Radio Row, and there's a lot of... So this is... Now, this is a coach's show, okay? This isn't game day to where you can be politically correct. Yeah. We throw it to you from game day first, yeah, and we say who's... I, I want hard... I want to know who's going to win, what's the score, who the MVP is, and what. Yeah. You'll let you go first. The MVP is going to be a quarterback. No, so you're actually going to say, Mooch, you're on the fence. It'll be the quarterback of the winning team. <laughs> Last night, Dukes when we were at 10 o'clock at night over there on our set on Broadway, he says, no, Sean Marino's going to be the MVP. 
and we just like what? And and it's you know quarterbacks usually are the end. Peyton Manning was the MVP when he won the Super Bowl. He only threw yeah. one touchdown pass. Okay, so he's probably going to do more than that in this game. And since I'm not telling you who I'm picking in this game till game day morning oh, you on gotta Sunday, save that. Oh, we have an eight-hour okay. pregame show, yeah, Brian. You got lots of time to do that. So then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna, but it will be a quarterback because quarterbacks usually will get this, and they have to play well to win. Either one of these guys. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut to the chase because you, you have that. We're on game day first from seven to nine because we should have two hours before the twenty hours that you all are gonna be on before the game. Um, I'm gonna. My initial reaction has been as brilliant as that defense is. I think it's Peyton Manning's time. Yeah. I think they have a huge respect for Peyton Manning, but I don't know that they have the experience quite to really know how to pace this. It's going to be different for them. I think Peyton Manning's going to jump up on him a little bit early, and now it's going to throw it on the shoulders of Russell Wilson, who I absolutely love. But I don't know at this early stage in his career, he's ready to sit in that pocket, throw it 45 times in a track meet to keep up with Peyton Manning. So I kind of think it's going to be Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. I'm going to throw one last curve at you. What? If it is Peyton Manning, and he does, is the MVP, and he gets his second Super Bowl with the second team. Should he step out? No. Do you think he steps out? No, I don't think he's, I don't think that's on his mind whatsoever. I think he enjoys not only the game, he enjoys the preparation. And, and that's, that's what most of your life is, preparing to play that three-hour game, you know, 20 times in the fall. You prepare in the offseason with training. You prepare all week with film and study. And he still enjoys that. And that's the key. You're and exactly so, right. And so until he starts feeling, ah, this is a grind, this guy's going to keep playing. There is more to accomplish. Even if he wins another one, Brian, you know, and he's the first guy to win a Super Bowl with two different teams, that's great. But you know what? He's one of these guys that would like more, yeah. more than that. And go get some of those Brett Favre records for careers because, you know, we're going to keep talking about his legacy as being the greatest, and I think he would love to keep adding to his resume. I keep thinking of John Madden when he retired from coaching. And Hyde won a Super Bowl in 10 years as a head coach. I said, Coach, why, why would you leave? And he was referring to the Super Bowl. He said, what am I going to do, win another one? And then what I got to do, win another one? And then another one? There's always going to be that next one. I agree with you 100%, and we both have players that are reaching that point in their career that reach out to us and say, should I keep playing? And I've changed on it. For a while, it was, well, don't go out on a down note. And if you think the skills, but I'm with you. I've changed where I was saying, if you enjoy it, if you're not just playing for the money, if you really enjoy it, make them kick you out. As long as you truly still enjoy it. But I don't know. Peyton Manning has this sense of history. What a time to go out. And the wild card is he's going to meet with those doctors. He's already set it up a little bit saying, look, if they kind of tell me, you know what, maybe you ought to think about that. I'm not going to be stupid. I think he's left himself a little bit of wiggle room, and I don't know this for a fact, but what a great way to go out with the Super Bowl, greatest single season in the history of football at quarterback, great sense of history. Um, I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. And, of course, accomplishing things that nobody else has. How about 
How about recovering from four neck surgeries and playing his best football after that? It's truly remarkable. And we're lucky to have been able to be around and watch Absolutely. a Peyton Manning perform. Well, that's going to do it for the Coach's Show podcast. That's our last one for the year. We hope you enjoy it. And uh, make sure you come back next year for the Coach's Show podcast. Can't Mo- wait for that. See you then.